Pull up Google Maps and type in 6115 Jotham Down Road. Go ahead, we'll wait. All right, got it? Good, now this address will show you Lanierland Park, home of athletic fields, walking trails, and playgrounds. Ah, but this track of land goes way deeper than that. Because in 1970, Shorty Hamby and Crant Samples opened up Lanierland Music Park with one big circus tent and a dream of being in show business. Later on, after other partners joined, it was eventually taken over and ran by Leon and Brenda Jones, along with partner Tommy Bagwell. For 36 years, concerts in the country Lanierland was a staple in our little community. Now, Chris and old Cool Mountain Cal recently sat down with Leon and Brenda, along with their daughter, who was the past general manager of Lanierland, Cindy Jones Mills, and here is that story. It's the story of Lanierland, or what us locals just called the music park. Take it away, Cal. Normally, we would be high top the Doc Hawkins building in downtown Cold Mountain, but tonight, me and brother Chris Cheatham are here at the beautiful home of Leon and Brenda Jones. We're joined by their daughter, Cindy Jones Mills, and we are here tonight to talk about Lanierland Music Park and everything that happened over 30 years. We're gonna cover it here in about 30 minutes. Of all the shows that we've done so far, which we haven't done that many, but ever since we started doing this, people have asked about doing a history of Lanierland Music Park. When Cal and I started this whole thing, we started talking about what kind of history we're going to do for South County, and there was actually an interest for that in the North Georgia area, and everybody kept asking, well, when are you going to do Lanierland? you got to tell the story about Lanierland. And especially with our connections, being my family and Cal knowing everybody from since he was little. So, um, so here we are. We're going to knock it out. Thank y'all for having us tonight. I know we're putting y'all out. Leon said we got to hurry because Jeopardy's going to be coming on, so we're going <laughs> to jump right into it. <laughs> 1970, what year was the first show at the music well, park? Well, Kathleen and them said it was 1970, but we always said 1971 for some reason. That's what was always so, on the established. I think that was what we went by anyway, and they didn't really remember for sure anyway so we just said 1971 and leon you said y'all weren't in on the ground floor of this thing it was uh shorty hamby and crant samples right that's right they were the first uh, owners they when they first started it yeah and we then y'all came in, the, in a couple of years later yeah the we next started, year, they right? started in the old circus tent that was a big tent i remember you could come over that hill on jotham down there and it looked like uh Ringland Brothers or something set up mm -hmm. over there. That was a big, big goings on back in the day. We started out with eighteen hundred and something seats, I think. Where job? Where did they find the tent at? In Chattanooga, Tennessee. Really? Crant, I think Crant's one found it up there. So they took that down after the show season was over, and they'd store it somewhere. I we guess. Stored, and then they come yeah. back. Yeah, and we'd have to take it down edge of seasons over on kind of snow and ice or whatever, you know. Now, Shorty, Shorty, and Crant, I guess, were buddies and yeah, wanted to do this together. Shorty, of Crant, course, Crant family. samples come up with that and went to Shorty, had me about it, and talked. Shorty was sort of in the music business, in him and these kids, and uh, they the started hammers, and they booked. You know they, are. <laughs> they booked twenty four shows or something the first year, and uh, it, it wasn't making no money, and then Crant stopped with me up at my daddy's and asked did me and Robert want to get in on it and that's why we ended up being in on it Robert being your brother yeah Robert and brother yeah what's Brenda thinking when you come home and say we're in show business now 
Well, I was glad. <laughs> I don't, I don't right remember that. That was one thing I liked. <laughs> well, the first year Shorty and Grant had it open, what kind of axe did they have there? Just local axe? Were they no, they had all Nashville axe. Yeah. Hank Williams the Jr. First, was the very first, first show. First yeah. show was Hank Jr., yeah. That was before he got all bearded up and rowdy and yeah, all that kind of it stuff. it was. He was just very um, different and wore his little uh, suits like Porter Wagner, you know. And a lot of the acts all dressed alike. I remember going us going as a family to see Waylon, and I just remembered them all having on black. I remember the first show I seen was George and Tammy Wynette, and I remember her coming out, and she had on a black dress, just like you said, and it was sequined up, and all oh, those cameras flashing, up. it was popping up. It was yeah, they did. We talked blinded. about how me and Mama were talking the other day. We watched all the old award shows. I'd give her that for Christmas, and... It was we, really good. And we watched how they were dressed up. I mean, Loretta, a lot of them were just so dressed up. I guess the artists at that time was a lot more attainable. Oh, yeah. Oh, now, yeah. I mean, people, they had the first year, like I remember that, um, oh, what was those brothers' name? Leuven Brothers. Yeah. Yeah, they, they had the Leuven Brothers, and they didn't draw much, you know, but it was kind of the that kind of. Grand Ole Opry stars. Uh, yeah, that was it, Grand Ole Opry stars. There probably wasn't many booking agencies back in those days, more than a couple. They probably booked them all out of the same agency, I bet. I don't know something. how that was. Now, do you remember about, I mean, the first act that y'all had booked? Uh, how much was that to book an act, and who was your first act that you booked? Well, Pete Since y'all wasn't involved in that first year, I yeah. guess, with Shorty and but Crank. when he came in, he started doing the booking, didn't you? To, after you Shorty did. got out. Oh. And I started doing the booking. What was that Shorty like? Shorty was uh, doing the booking. Shorty was doing it. Shorty was doing okay. it, yeah. Well, you'd have to talk to them. They'd ask you $20,000, and you'd tell them ten. you I'd tell them I'd, I just wanted to rent them. I didn't want to buy them. <laughs> it's kind of like buying a car when it's going backwards and forth. Yeah, I had a lot of fun doing the booking. It got more and more complicated, though. By the time I started doing it, the last, I don't know, it got more, you know, oh, when yeah. we started out, nobody considered us to be part of the Atlanta market. Right. And we, when we went to a building, we had 4,300 and something seats and, got, and built a bigger stage. Mm -hmm. And we had to have two shows always because we needed the, two, the turnover. But then they always booked on a percentage. So we'd have a guarantee right. versus And then a percentage, percentage. ticket sales. And so, like, I remember, Daddy, when we had uh, Marty Stewart opening for Travis Tritt, and that was a rare occasion. They came in and booked for no guarantee, and nobody had ever done that before. And they knew they were going to sell out, and they booked on an 85-15 split. And they were so sure that was when their big duets were so big. No, no, hats, hats, no hats to her. No hats to her. And yeah, that, was, that was. And they did a... No guarantee, and that was the first time we had ever had anybody come in with no guarantee. That was with a higher cut, though, too, right? Oh, yeah. Typically, it was 70-30 most of the time. Yeah. They made lots mm -hmm. of money. It yeah. was good. One year we had, yeah. One year we had the Oak Ridge Boys booked, and they called them on to play in Atlanta in February or March. And down there, show was in September or whenever. And I told them that... We had a raise of so many miles, so many months, but they could out and help me on that because it was time period was further Different. before us. And 
I said, you go and have the bookies, you don't do it anymore. I said, we started selling our tickets two or three weeks before the show you're going to have in Atlanta. So they booked it. They booked in Atlanta. And the day they had the show in Atlanta, it was six months or something before ours, they sold eight or 9,000 tickets. And we already had 11,000 something sold before they even played in Atlanta. They come back at the Atlanta show and said, we won't make this mistake no more. <laughs> because we had them two or two nights. Two nights, two yeah. Nights. Oak Ridge Boys. But one time we did a, uh, Alabama three nights. Yeah. yeah. That was the biggest. They were going to do that live album. And Which you can catch some of those live tracks on there. I think it's a box set they got. Uh, it's a couple of songs they do, and it's actually taken from the soundboard at Lanierland. Now, was you always, I know we always used to have a, two shows each night. Yeah. Was it always like that, or what started that whole deal about having them? No, it started at two shows, and then it finally years later, they, a lot of the guys got what they wouldn't do but one show. And when Killed us. one act started, it just about all started. But it was several years that we had them, too. Oh, yeah, a long, long time. time. And it, our season we ticket had, uh, holders is what really helped us. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. we had a lot we of people. You two sets of season yeah. ticket yeah. what you got to have. And it oh, liked yeah. to kill them when we cut down to one show. We had, we had Kenny Rogers one time, Matt Norris, who I dealt with, and uh, it's an 8 o'clock and 10 o'clock show. And then I called Mike and asked him about doing a midnight show. Mm-hmm. He said, Ain't no way you're selling tickets at midnight. And I said, we'll book it. Same deal that we've got on the other two. He called me back and said, Kenny Craig, and that was Kenny's manager. said, he said, book it. And Travis is So about five days later, I called him back and asked him about a 2 a.m. special that had sold the midnight show out. That was when Lucille was so big. And we also had Randy Travis three shows. Yeah. Kenny's, that was a big deal when Kenny did that midnight show. Yeah. I was in ninth grade. Yeah. I remember what I had on that night. It was a big deal. Well, the old Ridge Boys one time we had a midnight show. After two Friday night, we had three Saturday night, eight, ten, and twelve. And did you always have an opening act, or was it just them? Yeah, we usually we had We always had an opening mm-hmm. act, yeah. And we would play softball with them up on the field. Start to say, let, tell the story about the softball. They just, just seen y'all throwing the ball around one night after a actually, show or Actually, it was the ladies in the concession stand, Marlon, them that were... The, they were they were playing pitch, and I think Judy and some of them in the concession stand said, "I think we got a better arm than y'all do," and started challenging them. And uh, before you know it, they said, "Well, let's take it on the field." <laughs> and so we, Lisa and I, both played. Well, when they when the old was playing fun. softball up there, all the old boys out there playing it. So me and we and Malie and we were sitting on the boat on the bus. Looking out there and how hot it was, them fools <laughs> playing ball. We was in the air conditioned bus. William Lee Gone was afraid of getting his beard quaffed. He, no, he wasn't that long then. It was shorter. He wasn't a ball player, though. <laughs> I still talk to him pretty regular. Folks, we're just sitting around here shooting a bull talking about Lanier Land. We're going to take a quick break. I think Leon will smoke cigarettes. So we'll be back after you hear a fine word from our sponsors. You're listening to The Crossing, where the music meets the memories.
Lanier Land Music Park in partnership with WPLO proudly announced that season tickets go on sale this Saturday at 10 a.m. Our operators will be standing by for you to purchase your tickets for such shows as Tom T. Hall and the Storytellers, Mel Tillis and the State Siders, the Loretta Lynn Show, Donna Fargo, and many, many more. Call 7-7464 for more information presented by Lanier Land Music Park and WPLO, a division of Plow Incorporated. Come in to Jan's Jeans for all your needs in today's fashions. Specializing in Jordache and Gloria Vanderbilt and my favorite, Calvin Klein. Jan's Jeans can fit you in a pair today. And for y'all Yans Cowgirls, we even carry them form-fitting Wranglers. Stop by and see us at Jan's Jeans, Spot Road in Coal Mountain, Forsyth County, Georgia, U.S. of A. Well, this is Joe Bonzo with the Oak Ridge Boys here, and I don't know that I can be really that original when it comes to Lanierland. What a great, great venue it was. I know one time the Oak Ridge Boys did three shows in one day there, which was just incredible. And we used to play those benefit softball games, and um, heck, that day we did the three shows. <laughs> For all I know, we might have done a softball game there too that day, but a lot of great memories at Lanierland. It was a great venue. I miss it often and especially Mama Lois' food. She cooked for everybody that played there and everybody loved her. And every act that ever played there, I believe, loved Lanier Lane. And we are back. You're listening to The Crossing, where the music meets memories. It's our Lanier Land Music Park Special Edition show on location here on beautiful Bannister Road at Leon and Brenda's house. We're joined by their daughter, Cindy Jones-Mills, who was once the general manager and... We're sitting here telling tales, and Brenda wants to tell us. We've been talking during the break about crazy contract writers and what y'all had to put up with as far as booking and stuff goes. And uh, Brenda had a story about uh, Wayne Newton, what all he brought in and wanted to bring in. Well, you know, he played in Vegas and had was used to having these elaborate sets and all that stuff. So Red Wheeler was helping us then do the production. So we had to rent desks from the schools for the band to sit, you know, we had to do all that, haul them up there, and then it was just a, a lot of different things that we had to get for Wayne that we normally don't have to fool with, but... Like no. what? Like what? I mean, more stage stuff? Or yeah. Backstage stuff? Backstage. Backstage stuff. And, uh, but once he got there, he was real nice, you know. We liked him. Oh, and let me tell you this about the... It was the original Beach Boys, and uh, Dennis Wilson was even with them. And uh, so anyway, we had had to uh, cook baked fish for some of them. And uh, I never did know who it was for, but when they all came in back there, I said, hey, now whoever gets the baked fish, we've got it. Let us know. It's here. It's ready. They never mentioned it. And so, I again, I said, we've got the baked fish ready now. Y'all need to get the baked fish. Never even mentioned it. So we wind up throwing out the baked fish. They never, yeah, because when they saw what our <laughs> granny had cooked, they didn't want they all didn't that want, food, nobody they would dare say. fish. <laughs> and that's what happened when, uh, when I started doing it. People would send those long riders in with all those specifications of all this food. And I would, Daddy told me, he said, you just need to tell them to talk to other people in the industry about what kind of food we have because we can try to do what they're asking or they can get 
what they want, what they really like. And always, always they would say, I would take a pen and I'd just cross off, cross off, cross off, and I'd put Mama Lewis food. Yeah. And well, we, was, had, we had Amy Lou Harris, and yeah. she had the, That's the biggest, one of the biggest contracts I've ever seen about food, and we done everything she had on the contract. And the next year, the contract come, but she doubted to put the H's on and put Mama Lois. She put yes, her own mark on it. Well, and you know, <laughs> yeah. when Winona and Naomi Judd wrote their book, it mentioned Granny and her food in it. At Lanierland. And when <laughs> Winona had her birthday, I had to go pick them up at the airport for her birthday. She asked, would Granny cook her birthday meal? Yes, she and that she flew in with a friend and brought all them dogs. And I picked them up in that Lanierland van, and she spent the night on the boat. And Granny brought in all, I, somebody carried in I all did. that food I you did, did mm-hmm. for her birthday. And she came here and ate Granny's food if and then went back. If there's one thing that Lanierland has always been famous for, it was food. It was the food. <laughs> it was Mama Lois's food. Cal and I have had the opportunity to meet Marty Stewart a few times, and he always brings up about the food. Yeah, I heard Marty like Stewart's that. band, they, we've talked to them. They bring up the food. Mm-hmm. What Mama Lois being uh, Brenda's mother who cooked the food backstage, what started that? What Daddy. made y'all say, okay, Mama Lois cooked the food? That was Daddy. You did it. I, I got her to cook cake one night, and I forget who was there. It was for Merle. Merle Haggard, I heard. Yeah, it was and, for uh, Merle. It went was over that? so good. Then the next oh, next yeah. show, we add a little more, and the next show, we add a little more. It didn't take long where the contract business got started with the country's entertainers on account of Mama Lois's cooking, they wanted to be fed like that everywhere they went, you know. And after two or three years of Alabama coming over here, they invested a quarter of a million dollars in a chuck wagon. They cared with them everywhere they went. Of course, they charged for it, I'm sure. But when they come to Linearland, they'd say, leave the blank. Chuck wagon at home. <laughs> we eat Mama Lois. They didn't bring it. <laughs> and it was easy. So, it was an easy stuff to but get that's ready. Way all, oh, that's the way the all the caterers start, got started. Uh, but Granny know, home cooking. Yeah, and, and Granny treated people back there like they were her family. Mm-hmm. I mean, like I remember her talking to uh, Sawyer Brown, which his name was Mark, but Mark she'd Brown. say, little Sawyer, come here, little Sawyer. What do you want to eat? And, you know, she I can remember her talking to Vince Gill, and, you know, she'd start fixing their plate, and if they didn't get something, she'd say, you're not eating the potato souffle? Well, it's good. <laughs> and when she, she'd get the things ready to eat, and they was always doing the sound check. And she would go to the door, and she'd say, well, it's ready when y'all can come on, you know. Oh, yeah. And, and she would she act mad. Like, come she said, well, on. it's getting cold. It's ready. <laughs> that's, the way, that's the way it was done back then. Yeah. Uh, now, what in the world made you – I was just thinking, going back to the Wayne Newton thing, what made – what was the – what went off? Light went off to make you think. Well, let's book Wayne Newton at the music. I don't remember. Park. I mean, that. yeah, of all the artists that you've had there, sticking well, well, Tom him Jones and Tom, too. him and Tom Jones and uh, Tommy's when it sort of come up with that idea. Just trying to branch out a little bit. Get yeah, a little, I reckon. I don't know. And, part of that Rich and, Floyd uh, stuff. I don't. What know. was that boy's name from? And on Monday night, and sold out. Oh, that was Jimmy Buffett. Jimmy Buffett. Yeah. Jimmy Buffett. There was a lot of different. 
accent. Yeah, I mean, not necessarily country. Well, yeah, Greg Allman. Little River Band. Mm-hmm. Greg Allman. Y'all had yeah, Greg Allman that Allman. year whenever yeah. he had. Steppenwolf. Um, Steppenwolf opened. Did Steppenwolf <laughs> yeah. open up for uh, Greg Allman? I believe they was in like the Greg same Allman crew. played at Learland. I'll yeah. tell you one I tried to book for lots of years and I never did get her was Ann Murray. Yeah. She's from Canada, she I think. Right. Yeah. I never could get that deal worked out. So when you were booking, I was thinking today about, I'm sure a lot of artists were booked when y'all were doing the opener and the headliner. They were probably under the same agency, and they were trying to, would they like try to cut y'all a deal, book both of them, or this is a package you get? Yeah, Yeah, Yeah. sometimes. And I remember, you remember when I had Garth Brooks booked to open for Reba? Yeah. And Norval wouldn't Norval, accept when, him. When when he said, didn't he yes. get there that night? And she he, couldn't he sell him. We had to add. That's Reba's husband, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. At, the time. at the time. Yeah. And he, oh, I reminded him of that that night because by the time. You didn't time, have to. He knowed it. But by the time <laughs> that show rolled around, uh, Garth Brooks just had If Tomorrow Never Comes. And we could have booked him like for $4,000, I believe. And at the time the show got there, he was already out drawing her. Oh, yeah. And we remember they had some kind they were trying to promote, Reba was doing her own talent then, trying to get big. And she had some group named Tri- Trader Price or yeah, something. Yeah, that's who it was. And Trader they Price. made me take them in, instead of Garth Brooks. And by the time, and we couldn't sell tickets, Reba couldn't. And we had to add Paul Overstreet to the show to try to sell a few tickets. And then the show rolls around, and we booked. See, we'd have to book the shows way in advance. So it had to be booked at the latest January, and we'd be just pulling our hair out to get confirmations. I remember when we booked Clint Black with Travis Tritt. That was Travis Tritt opened. And that was Clint Black would never confirm, never confirm. And Megan was a three or four years old and obsessed and loved him and I was determined that we were going to get him and he was $25,000 and he wound up making $72,000 and he was he got a bunch of bonus because we completely sold out we went to remember we went to all the parks and got all their temporary bleachers we had them on Sunday afternoon and we wanted to give Travis a bonus you know a because of how many tickets he sold. Because yeah. he, he, was, he was just he was starting breaking. out. And I think we paid him like $3,500 as an opener. And we wanted to give him 1500 bonus to get him up to five. And Clint wouldn't do it. No. Clint's he would not no, do it. It cost them money, too. And he, because it would come out of his percentage. Yeah. And so we did it anyway. She's over there costing you money, Leon, trying to just make the grandbabies happy just to get Clint Black. Well, we knew he'd sell out. <laughs> yeah. And we made good on it, but but remember, he wouldn't do it. I went on the bus, and they let me go and, and ask. I asked his manager. But we went on the bus and gave Travis the five, and it tickled him to death. And I believe that's why he wound up playing us as long as he did was because we had, to, had gave him some extra well, along I mean, the way. So. There's a, there's a, a story of Clint Clint Black as far as business wise being difficult. But now we've heard some stories of people being difficult artists. We've heard Chris Christopherson. Oh yeah, he was that difficult, was right? Well, only during Jerry that. Lee Lewis. Oh, oh yeah, God, Jerry Lee right. was right. Huh? When, so Jerry. we're gonna talk memorable shows now. <laughs> yeah, I want, yeah. Let's get the <laughs> let's get the dirt now. Let's talk about the night that Chris Christopherson played there. He got in a 
got well, a little fisticuffs backstage. He was mad about the sound system. Well, you got to go back in time. He didn't much care for Lanier Lane when he got there, did no, he? Didn't no, he say about out in the middle of nowhere? I think he was and, very excited about it. I think it was his frame of mind because he was extremely inebriated. Right, right. And I think him coming and seeing a tent... Plus, and, though, he had seen the sign down at the jottom down where it said Rita Cooley. Yes, that made him mad. And she was <laughs> the leading part of the show. show. It first was. made him mad when he, when he called Shorty Hammond, told Shorty Hammond to have him a quart of bourbon of some kind. And Shorty told him they didn't sell it in South County. They sold it in Hall County. He was in Hall County at the Holiday Inn or wherever for him to get his own bourbon. <laughs> <laughs> and that's really what got him riled up. So Chris Gustafson was staying in Gainesville at the yeah. hotel in Gainesville. Wait, there weren't any hotels that. here? Mm-mm. Right. No. What, yeah. this was what year was this? 75 or something? Yeah, maybe? something yeah. Like yeah. early. But I'll tell you what he did do when he, the next year he come to Armadale. No, play. it was like, it was like, Several, Several years, years later, yeah. it, Edith Burris was there. And she anyway, he, he said for anybody there, there was a little, little near land when he showed out. He wanted to apologize before he started the show. Yeah, he apologized, and mm-hmm. it was like, and he said he was in a bad frame of mind, and he said uh, they kicked my butt, and I deserved it. But he said it a little more plain. It was pretty much a lynch mob come after him after that show, didn't they? It was it was Malin Martin. Yeah, and so not Lamar was involved in it. Well, but Malin got in the the punch, but in the book it said somebody (laughs) else. (laughs) Well he got in the head. We were all The book said that the mayor of coming was there, but I don't know. He might have been now. I don't know. It was just a mess, though, wasn't it, yeah. Leon? We oh, an outlaw book. It was a little sight, and they could hear me and Chris cussing each other in that little ticket office. <laughs> and he went and opened the door and asked them what they wanted. <laughs> and all I seen them with his feet go up there. Lamar <laughs> so was in on it, too. They, they jerked him. They jerked him out that door. <laughs> but you've got to understand the audience, too, at that time. I mean, like was Kathleen the was belt. there. What, Kathleen brought her whole Sunday school class, Kathleen Samples. Yeah. Because Why Me, Lord, was the biggest hit out anywhere. Yeah. I, I mean, it was, and people didn't have cable TV then. I mean, they no thought one. he was. Great. I mean, like the most religious. Nobody had cable. Nobody knew that he would drink and he used drugs. And then he got so excited on stage and he used the F word. Mm. And, and I mean, and when. Here he was. People were there with their with their preachers, and it was the the South. And <laughs> was it on it a was, Sunday? I heard it. was I on think it was on no, a Sunday. It was a night. Was it a night? Mm-hmm. Well, Saturday night. Yeah, but I he, think Saturday night. People yeah. were they were mad. Shocked. They were mad. Just, so 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 Chris Christopherson. That's that's one event. Now let's talk about one of my favorite artists, Jay Lee Lewis. Well, he showed up. He same thing. Well, he got there real late. Oh, yeah. He threw the pianist still backward. We were sitting on that zero (laughs) row and almost hit us in the head. That's when he brought his daddy out on the stage. And at one time, Jerry Lee put the microphone down his pants. As you do. Yeah. Well, Pete, wasn't that the time you kept going over to Gainesville to get him? No, I carried him and his sister back to the airport, Charlie Brown Airport. Jerry Lee. Helped me into going back to Memphis with him. I done parked my car and Junior Matthews, my cousin, brought the band members down there. I went to the plane door, me and Jerry Lee down there, had a shot or two. <laughs> and I went to the plane door to tell Junior and tell Brenda I'd be back the next day. 
Junior looked up at me and said, Leon, she's going to be mad. <laughs> I studied about a minute, and I said, I believe I'll just go back home, Jerry. <laughs> Well, everybody's well, got regrets. And you you could have went home with a killer, but you went I home know with it, but well, two or three weeks, two or three weeks later, he shot one of his band members, and I said, he might have been having to take him somewhere. <laughs> I think I made the right decision for coming home. Now, we talk, now you got Chris Christopherson, you got Jerry Lee Lewis. Was there anybody mm-hmm. else that put on them? Well, Worse. one time when we had Waylon and Jesse and the Glazier brothers, or at least Tom John Paul. Paul. Yeah, Tom Paul. Tom Paul. And uh, wasn't there another one with them, though? I don't know, but that was when the whole... That was was when the whole outlaw movement was going on. And it was so completely out, there was not room for another person in there, and they got in a scuffle back at the back. That was the the Sexton Outlaws that that night. Lamar (laughs) and Roger C. was involved in it, I think. I don't know. I just Opal. remember I just remember Francis, Lamar, and David. And Opal. Opal oh, was Opal terrible. Matthews, I looked over and she and somebody knocked her down her leg just flopping. <laughs> that night and James I Lee. was an usher and Darla was helping and they had Lamar's members only coat pulled over his head and he couldn't you know, they had his arms and Francis we Darla ran and got Francis and Frances came back there, and she had her pocketbook beating them over the head. <laughs> they, were from, they were from Gainesville. Yeah. For some reason, I'm finding the common denominator in that being uh, Lamar Sexton. <laughs> Lamar so, Lamar, <laughs> if you're listening to this podcast, <laughs> we'll be uh, coming to see you soon. David likes uh, to get your version too. of that. Yeah, we're going to need your version of <laughs> that. That night, a, a local guy came, got mad, and he left, and he came back with a machine gun. Yeah, and the crowd left quick. Oh, yeah. And all of this was because it, they didn't even sell beer at this place. No. <laughs> no. no that, was probably, that was the problem. Yeah, no that, alcohol was no served alcohol ever. ever. And that was a Crant thing, too. I'm sure it was y'all's thing, too. But Daddy that was part made of Crant. That's they made an agreement too, right? with Crossroads Church to never have alcohol. Yeah. Which you would think that probably would have hurt your profit and stuff, but... I think it was a drawing point to draw people yeah, in, really. really. Yeah, really. Yeah, it really was. These were just I, isolated stories we're telling. Most yeah. everything was smooth Oh, yeah, most silk. everything yeah. was really good. Family-oriented and, uh, Just stuff. those few shows that we've mentioned. And and you, talking about the season ticket holders, you'd have to mention, like, Marsha Ramey, who yeah. had one lady up. Where was Marsha from? She was from up at Clayton, Georgia. And she had, what, like 90-something season tickets? Oh, more. She the one who sat on the front row with yes, the red hair? Yes. No, no, no. No, that she was uh, that was Velma Gasaway. Oh, and okay. then Philip Wilhite from Hall County. He, he had sold a, a lot, too. Yeah, but Marsha was the leading All person. this without the power of the internet. I mean, yeah. that, and Ticketmaster contacted, I remember when they contacted us and tried to get us to go to, with them. To go with them, but they wanted to charge so much per ticket. Yeah. And it was not we worth just, it. Well, we just didn't think our people would want to pay that because our ticket prices were so cheap. Oh, oh I've seen some I pictures. Know. Still we had put ourselves out of business being so cheap, really. And we probably could have stayed in business a lot longer after the after we became part of the Atlanta market. After 400 was built and those radius clauses, we kept getting closer and closer. Yeah. And after cable TV and people could see all their favorite acts on TV, we might could have stayed in business longer if we did serve alcohol. Well, so what would you say was the was the, the top of Lanierland was at the top of its game? Was it Billy Ray Cyrus? Was that whenever y'all hit 
Early 90s? Yeah, probably. Yeah. Early 90s. 90. Money-wise, that's what well, that Leon George was telling Strait us earlier. That one year when we had Alan Jackson, George Strait, Clint Black, Travis Tritt, Reba. I, big year. We had a big year that year. So, Leon, tell me about when uh, you bought a Billy Ray Cyrus show. I'd never heard of that until you were telling me about how that even worked it, until you told me about that the other day. You had him booked previously, or... We had him booked. Before he booked, before he hit big, you had him booked pretty much. Yeah, I've seen him on the Brad yeah. Family show. He's about the middle of the season. They called Cindy. She tried to call his agent, and they talked and talked. And Jack McFadden was this boy that Cindy been talking to, worked for Jack. So I called Jack. I'd done a lot of business with him on book, old Winston Merle Hager, different one over the years. And he had a Friday and a Sunday date. And I'm on him for three nights, Friday night at Calhoun, Saturday night, Sunday night over here. And old Jack said, you know me, Leon. I said, I ain't never reneged on nobody. He said, he booked on Saturday night in London, Kentucky. I said, what's the man's telephone number and name? And he said, what for? And I said, I'll call you back. I called the man in London, Kentucky. I noticed this didn't have but 400 seats. So he had him booked for $5,000, and I told him I'd give him 10000 for Saturday night. And he said, let me give you my address, mail me a check. <laughs> I called Jack back, and I said, now I've got Saturday night. Let's let's talk. Let's talk. And then we'd done Friday night, Saturday night, and Sunday night. Sunday night. And you'd mentioned Calhoun during that statement. Y'all at the time had went in and part, had another part going. <clears throat> yes. Yeah, we had to do that them. again, would you? It was a lot of work. A lot of work. Yeah. Doubled your, doubled your uh, burden. And we never yeah. got it going good like Lanier Land. No. No, we no. Couldn't. We couldn't get our season tickets. To, was it to because the, of location? The boys that started it, they'd, they'd just run it, run it. And Didn't do it any they, good. They'd get it off the ground like Lanier Land. You would have think being right there on 75 with that location. And we thought we could book, you know, maybe we could book somebody there and then Bounce book them there, but... We had some crossover, and it made it much more difficult. And yeah, wound up hurting ourselves. It didn't work out good for us, but it didn't work out good for them boys that started neither. No, no, we no. did it better than them. Yeah. I remember when we had Pam Tillis up there. She, somebody came in and wanted to know, uh, did anybody know how to fix hair, and or could anybody braid? And I said, yeah, I can. And I had to be backstage braiding her hair. You braided Pam Tillis' hair. Yeah. Mm-hmm. One of the many hats you wear when you're general manager. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Cosmetologist. Whatever you oh, want to do. Y'all remember that awful night when we had the Judds up there, and there was this old straggly dog that got in. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, it was a bad Inside one. the park. Oh, yeah. At and Calhoun. we didn't know if it had shots or anything about it, and people were coming up there saying, get this dog out. It's, I mean, it might bite us. It's like barking and screaming, and so... Poor junior. junior samples, not the one on Hee Haw, worked for us. And so Mama didn't think anything about it. Or I she didn't said, somebody said, it. Junior, go uh, get that dog out. Everybody's afraid it might bite somebody. So Junior just went and picked it up, you know, by its ears. Behind, his behind ears. its ears. Well, it, it was, was just, just yelping and screaming. <laughs> well, the next thing you know, the Judd's manager, I think his name was Mike McGrath, anyway, he came in and he said, 
uh, cruelty to animals and uh, uh, the Judds are all upset and they're acting like they might not play and and I said about what and they said some man that works for you picking a dog up and van- hurting the dog and I said well nobody knew whose dog that was they were afraid that it might bite somebody it might have rabies and they were trying to protect people yeah, they I were. said nobody meant anything by it on Monday out of that I had uh, some big wheel with the Humane Society coming about it too Oh, yeah, it was a big... <laughs> Don't bother the dog. Like you didn't have enough on your mind already with how the human yeah. society called it. Yeah, but we didn't know where it came from. that dog out, 4,000 people there would like to get bit. <laughs> Show business, folks. Stories, we got them all right here at the Crossroad Visiting with Leon and Brenda and Cindy talking about some Lanier Land days. We're going to take another quick break, and we'll be back for our final segment. You listen to The Crossing, where the music meets the memories. Thank you for calling Village Cinema. Playing this week is a double feature, Bad Knobs and Broomsticks and Apple Dumpling Gang Rides again. Showtime's nightly at 7 and 9 p.m. Sundays at 3, 5, 7, and 9. Village Cinema, located next door to Gigi's Pizza and Lanier Shopping Center. For upcoming features, call 887-8855. And don't forget about our matinee. There's no gas wars in coming. We've got the best prices in town at $49.9 a gallon at Martyr Oil. Two locations to serve you. Martyr Oil number one at Highway 19306 or on the south side of Marler Oil number two, Highway 19 and 141. Transforming the way you listen to sports. Yep, we've covered all of it, at least since 1978, 79, 80, 81, 82. Okay, you get the point. We've got it covered. The North Georgia Sports Link. Go ahead. Like us on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. Keyword search, North Georgia Sports Link. Looking for affordable propane prices and the best service? No worries. Call Mills Fuel Service today for fast, courteous service that will have your tank filled and ready for the cooler temperatures. Mills Fuel Service has dedicated over 50 years of service to North Georgia, providing clean, efficient propane at affordable prices. Tank rentals are available. Three locations to serve you in Dawsonville, coming and Delonica. Call them today, 706-265-3394. Mills Fuel Service, for all your LP gas services. Hey, Wendell Cox here, on my way to Nashville. I've got a lot of fond memories of Lanierland Music Park, as far back as the first show, actually, which was Hank Williams Jr. I was there for that one. Uh, About 1976, uh, the Atlanta Rhythm Section played at Lanierland. My brother's band opened for them, and I was there for that. And around that time, I was uh, starting to do some clogging with a couple of clogging teams around. Um, on stage with the staff band there, uh, opening for various uh, artists. Ended up working with Travis Tritt, still do. We played on Lanierland three, if not four times. And then uh, played a benefit not long before they closed it. And I'm told I was the last guy to ever play there, um, along with uh, some friends of mine from the band Feedback. Calvin Hurd and Chris Cheatham and some others. I'll just never forget Lanierland being such a great venue. I want to thank Leon Jones and Brenda, Cindy Mills, Tommy Bagwell, and most of all, Lois Hurd, which was my fourth grade teacher as well, but she was 
the cook there, she was brought all the catering in, best food in the world. I got voted a venue of the year a few times just because of that. And um, I'll never forget the fond memories I have of Lanierland Music Party. God bless that place forever. And just like the second show used to be at Lanierland, we are back once again. Well, that second show was always just, it was two completely different worlds, wasn't it? Yeah. It was better, though. If the crowd was a little looser. Crowd was oh, a little I don't know why, why they would yeah, always be looser. Be <laughs> Everybody the had the routine. Yeah. But it was usually <laughs> it was always a little better. It was better. Mm-hmm. Well, the it band was hot. probably a little looser then. The, the, the yeah. temperature wasn't as hot outside, yeah. and it was darker, and it was just better. Then you had some folks who would buy both both shows. Yeah, yeah, some people. Just like that. You had mentioned about how how hot it was. For those of you who are listening who had never been to Lanier Land, Lanier Land wasn't a completely outdoor venue. It was a uh, shed. It, it was they called yeah. one of the sheds. <clears throat> shed, tin roof, sawdust oh. floor, and a sawdust floor. And individual metal fans. seats and ceiling fans, huge yeah. ceiling fans. But beautiful, wonderful acoustics. Yep. I've always had people tell me they love the acoustics. Because it went up a hill. I mean, it, it, you had it, everything just went straight up and it kept going up to Crant's uh, house who lived up on yeah, the Yeah, remember, it was good. we let everybody make pictures from the center aisle the first three songs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. People would line, line up yeah. and they would just, you make you could make three pictures and you'd have to move on. Or give them a rose, as you're talking with the Billy Ray yes. Cyrus. Which, that's another point on t- Merchandise, y'all had, uh, a lot of people don't know that the venue gets uh, arrangements sometimes in the contracts. They get a percentage of merchandise sold, right? 20%. Right. Yeah, and it's all negotiated by the venue. We right. would get 20%, and sometimes they'd try not to pay us. Yeah. But that was a huge yeah, moneymaker. Especially on, and like on the roses and stuff, we got all of it because that was our merchandise right, but as far as the apparel and t-shirts and stuff yeah. y'all would sometimes that was big like with Conway Twitty but you know Conway Twitty made his band sell his merchandise yeah pork chop mile I had to sell it everybody the in drummer. everybody in Conway's band sold and y'all would put <laughs> your own y'all would put your rep with their rep and they would we'd started doing that way into right? because we realized how bad we were getting ripped off so that yeah. was the merchandise and then the the food the concessions was run by the church was that Crossroads we'd get different people uh, no, Lions Club did never it never did it it Lions was the Lions Club, Club, Club and Mount, Mount Tabor. Tabor and then Zion Hill. Okay. Yeah. I mean, you want to talk community. It was a community-ran place. Yeah. Everybody that worked there knowed everybody. Me and Chris worked there. Spotlights. Yeah. Spotlights. Yeah. People run and the parking lot. We had a lot, lot of employees that were local, seasonal. We've yeah. seen, we had the best seat in the house, and we saw countless, everybody. countless. <laughs> we saw everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was talking about running meals out while ago. One time I went and picked him and his wife and somebody over at the motel, he got back down and come down for one to turn on Jellum down. And uh, Ronnie's wife said she's going to see her sister or somebody. Power said she hadn't seen her in three years. Meals up said, hell, he hadn't seen her in 25. <laughs> <laughs> he married a girl from Gainesville, Joyce Reeves. Oh, really? And they yeah. had a big crowd always come. <laughs> a lot Ronnie. of family. And he had I a big turn- old two-by-four tacked up at the yeah, end yeah. stage. So he yeah. could walk to the He'd end He'd walk stage. out there yeah. and feel it with his foot. Yeah, yeah. Well, what was he told you, Pete, about so many people coming from Gainesville? Yeah, and I, I was going to turn left on Jonathan down. There's a car coming up the road there, and I said, I got time to beat him. Ronnie said, I hope he can. I said, I can't see him. He'd be coming on my side. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. He was a really good entertainer, too. Who I was, loved Ronnie Mills. And Millsap, you tell me your voice who you was. I could mm-hmm. speak. I don't care if I was in New York and he was there if I spoke. Is that he'd you, say, Leon? He'd say. He'd, wouldn't he? Yeah. He'd say, is that Leon? <laughs> <laughs> so Lanierland will say they really hit hit the high top, I guess, in the early 90s. Yeah, yeah. I'd say right. so, wouldn't you? I mean, in, in the early 90s, and, and really wasn't that about when country music had found a whole new level of pop? Yeah. Garth Brooks. Yes. Did Garth Brooks, no, to me, I've played. always seen Garth Brooks as he, he's the one who changed it all. That's when country music changed completely was with Garth Brooks. And when he come hot onto the scene, that's when I guess it started getting a little bit harder to book it got harder, like we said, when it changed and we became part of Atlanta Market. And when they started becoming so popular and their contracts got so big, their mm-hmm. money became so big. And we knew we reached a point where we either had to move and build our own venue and we needed to have 8,000 seats and so we could do just one show. And Daddy and Tommy, at the point where they were in life, they just didn't want to take it on, you know. And at that point, other people, you know, the Atlanta market started moving this way. And it was just country music was changing. Yeah. It was like it, the timing. You know, Lanierland had served its purpose and had been right there with country. And Y106 was there with us for a big part of the time. Coming in, yeah. But then all of a sudden, Y106 went away. And, you know, it was like everything started changing. Mm-hmm. And it was just like the old country music started going away. Uh, the newer, you know, started coming in, and it was, it just changed a lot. Things changed. And you know what's funny? Now you're starting, now it's starting to kind of come back yeah, a definitely. little bit. Yeah, you're starting to see some of these little venues who are having some of these acts that Lanierland had. Yeah, they and are. Able and there to was book a- it, not selling alcohol, you know, and. You know, doing more of a family type atmosphere. Cal and I, we're going to see Marty at a couple of places. No alcohol, just a small little venue. But uh, yeah, it's coming back. And you don't realize until you get on Facebook and you hear so many people talk about how much Lanierland meant to them. And it's people a lot of times that didn't go to Atlanta to a show. And That's all they, they had. Yeah. And That's it, all they wanted. Uh huh. And they grew up and they talk about, they post the pictures and they, they talk so fondly about. Oh, that was, you know, not just like where I graduated high school, but it was, it was a place where I met my wife, or me and we went on our first date, or yeah. you know, it was something really special to them. So take me back, because I like the business. I like the business part of it always enthralled me. But so you're fixing start. You say you're fixing start a new season. What would you, what were your steps as far to get ready for a new show season? What y'all would do? We'd go to Nashville for the kickoff, yeah. and that's where we would sit down with, like you'd have the big like award a job show, fair, and it, and then you would have the showcases. Right after and that, and they would start showcasing new talent, and you'd sit down with the agents and meet with them, and you would there'd be people you'd want on your list, and that's when it got really complicated. Was when they would say, you know, like a Faith Hill, you know. And Tim McGraw were doing a big tour, and they were playing Atlanta, and they could play nowhere else. Right. And that was the whole year. And they couldn't play separate. Or Kenny Chesney played Lanier Land. 
but that Kenny Chesney was doing, you know, 56 dates and only one date, and that was in Atlanta. Alan Jackson was doing, you know, only one date in Atlanta. You know, and all of a sudden, the big acts were no longer viable. Right. But on a, just say like a regular, before all that started, y'all would go do that, offer, counter offer, and all that kind of stuff. Back and forth. Then you go back, and then you got... Maybe correspondence through mail and telephone because there wasn't much it was fax telephone. going on, was it? It was all telephone. Yeah. All telephone? All telephone. And they, you would call and pester the agents just over and over. you had to have your season planned out first before you could even begin Because we had tickets, to know who right? was oh, yeah. going to have. Because they're season right. ticket holders. They were buying season tickets. When people bought season tickets, would they buy them blindly or did they knew who, who well, was coming? Well, we had to know year? some of them you know that was coming. They didn't you buy them You had to have blindly. the season book before yeah. you printed your schedule. And yeah, y'all had like a opening day for baseball or something over oh, there on, yeah. on the tickets yeah. went on sale because mm-hmm. y'all brought. I remember seeing the little phones uh, set yeah. up phone in the office. Lines, and we'd have like a muscular district. It was, it was, it yeah. was. and you'd do that for like two weeks, all on yeah. paper and pencil, pretty much. Yeah, it was. And you know, the funny thing is, is Daddy like becoming friends with some of these artists, you know. That kind of stuff doesn't happen like that today. The way it did back then, I mean, you've had George Dwight. Jones and you had a business together for a little while. Yeah, dog food. Yeah, and Daddy bought his bus against his family's advice, but he bought it anyway. <laughs> Still, I can't say there. I've done a whole lot in my life, but I have slept on the same bus George Jones has, so <laughs> I put that in my cap. But you've had Randy. With Alabama, Randy Owen called you. Oh yeah, times and we, you and I went up to uh, uh, the Oak Ridge Boys to we saw the TPs and yeah, yeah. When when uh, Mama Lois passed away, the Oak Ridge Boys sent flowers. Yeah, they it? did, and somebody oh, yeah. else did. They stood three. Alabama, Johnny uh, Freaky, I think. So. Barbara and uh, the mm-hmm. management. Well, the way we got started with Alabama, Brenda sent him. We was in Nashville. They was playing in the lobby up at their that Opryland hotel, and she said, "I want you to book them." The first year, five thousand dollars. Next year, one hundred eighty-two thousand or something. <laughs> yeah, they opened for like Roddy McDowell or somebody. Somebody. Yeah. The next year, though, they come back and they done well. <laughs> <laughs> Talking about a little disaster, though, was when we had Merle. Oh, oh, yeah, when Merle canceled, that was a big well, disaster. We, Bonnie and the band and everybody was at the music park singing. Merle he was, waiting at, on him he was at a motel, said he broke a tooth off. Yeah. And he didn't ever, never come. As you do. He didn't come. That was a bad year. Was that the year we had like three cancellations? Same like it was. Ricky Van Shelton fell on his bus, supposedly, and Blake he Shelton canceled. <laughs> Every show he says it's. Blake Shelton's father. Ricky yeah. Van Shelton and Earl Thomas Conley canceled that year, well, too. Well, he went on, yeah, He did. He come in, but he left and went to sit about his daddy, so he said. We had three, like, and when we have a cancellation, people, like, just kept, I mean, like, they wanted their cash back then. Yeah. George Jones always show up? It told that last time, you know, before we quit. You know, he didn't, that, uh, he was. And that was a legitimate that medical was, reason, yeah, too. Yeah, he ran into the. Uh, fell and hit the canopy mm-hmm. and uh, had a concussion, so they said, and he didn't show up the next day on Saturday for the show, and that was the first time he'd ever done that way. 
So we've got to tell we've got to tell the funny Marty Stewart yes, story. We'll, 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 we'll end the we'll end our funny stories with this one. That was a funny one. Daddy, do you want to say start it with Marty calling you and saying that about it? Yeah, who who was it? Before? Sammy Kershaw, but Sammy he had Kershaw. pulled the joke on he Marty put, first. Yeah, they was out doing a show with Summers of Texas or Summers, and it's supposed to be a pretty girl in his tent. TP had a TP on TP, stage. yeah, TP, and uh, Sammy replaced the girl that's supposed to be a good-looking girl in the TP with a big old fat girl. <laughs> and when they had her to come out of the TP, she weighed about three hundred, I think. And then I think when Marty went in it, she didn't. She didn't have, have clothes, clothes on. on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh. And Marty called me and come up this side. He wanted to get him back. Get back. back. He get just him. wanted to get him back in get a him big back. way. And that's where we come up with this deal about the girls. Coming and saying she was, he got her pregnant and all this stuff. Which Marty had the idea about him getting her pregnant. We didn't come up with that. No, Marty had the idea. Well, that was Marty's but idea. We had my to find idea was to, I had to find somebody. <laughs> yeah, Cindy got and it. we found somebody good. Well, I called her, and when I called Luther, a, a woman, and said. I've got something I want you to do. I need for you to act like you're pregnant with Sammy Kershaw's baby. baby. Well, Sammy, said, Sammy called me, me you know, and threatened to sue me. We even had wow. the, the sheriff's department was you know, in we, on it because he was trying to serve the warrant. Oh, we, Mike Good. Yes. Yeah, Mike he did good. our security. I had him on it, you know, and I had everybody lined up. And when we went walking back there, I had my little papers in my hand, and I mean, we had just been, we can't laugh, we can't let on, we can't, you know, and we knew Marty was hiding right back behind the stage, and I knocked on the bus, and I said, I need to talk to the manager, and they said, do what, who are you, and I said, I'm the manager here, general manager, and I need to talk to the manager, we've got a big problem, and he said, what's the problem, and I said, I have a deputy here, and I've got a paternity I mean, Allegation. And, and I said, they're saying that he can't go on stage. I've never had this happen to me ever. And I said, I don't know what to do about it. I said, they're saying that he's got to have a, they've got to have a paternity test. And she's, and <laughs> Luther was going, he's the daddy. And I'm telling you, he's my, he's the daddy of this baby. And she had on a big Billy Ray Cyrus t-shirt, <laughs> sweatshirt. And she's rubbing that belly. And she said, you better get out here and take care of your child. Yeah, and, he run because he was she, in the no, eating area. They he? first and, came and offered $15,000. They first came and said, uh, here, here, you can you see if you can? And they something. offered some money. And they uh, wait. They offered. They offered Luther some money they to go away. Yeah, her and, to leave. he told it went up at the office. Called his wife. Told her he had problems. <laughs> he said, yeah, "I've yeah. got serious problems." And you said, "There's some woman." And you said, "I'm daddy for her baby." And said, "Hell, I don't even know her." Then he <laughs> ran to his bus and tried to hide what come hit. off of it yeah. because he was telling the law, the the deputy, good that he was that bus was considered his home. And yeah, and that they couldn't come on. And yeah. so I had to try to get, the big thing was you have to, to get, get him off. off the bus. And so at one point I walked back and Marty was standing there and he said, you got to get him off the bus. you got to get him off the bus. And I said, I can't get him off. And he said, go back to the bus and say, you can't, He's you're not leaving. And he said, get the deputy to say, you got to get off the bus. And so we went back, and I knocked on the door again, and I said, they're not leaving. She will not leave until she speaks to Sammy Kershaw. He's got to come speak. And so, I mean, 
he came. His eyes were like this, and he tiptoed down those steps. He looked terrified. And when he finally got there to the bottom, about that time, Marty came sailing through. And he, I mean, he, he said, said something I got about, you. gotcha. And I mean, Sammy came out with some cuss words like <laughs> nobody's business, a bunch of them. Yeah. He was mad. So I would they, have been too. They, got, they, sent, <laughs> they sent you a letter and saying that they was going to sue you? No, he called me. Oh, Kershaw well, did. I saw uh, uh, Marty Stewart on, what was the, Cooking Chase? Or some of those shows. I saw him on there, and he said, I called my buddy Leon to get him to help <laughs> come up with this, and he started telling the story. He was yeah. proud of it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I was wondering if you going to sue <laughs> I don't think I Sammy ever worked for us again. I know he didn't. <laughs> well, he you didn't want him, did you? We no had way. him booked for two nights after that, and, and we canceled. You know, he did. Where was did we have him booked at? Calhoun over here. Mm. Wow. That's the way the old. Well, he had to head home. Boxes. He had to make things right with the wife, sounds like, because he probably ended Well, up. him and the wife divorced after that because he got with Lori Morgan after that. Well, yeah, as you yeah. would. Stories, stories yeah. like that, folks, you're only going to hear on the crossing. We had one wedding. Johnny Talent married somebody on stage. It was somebody with George Jones's bunch. Yeah. It was a band member, somebody. Mm -hmm. We had to get. He wanted to get married on the stage. He got married on the stage over there. with the Judds. Yeah. So we had two. So you've had two marriages, and I'm pretty sure you had one death, did you not? Yeah, show. that guy that was clogging. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, that Whoa, I haven't heard this one. You ain't heard yeah, that. I remember, the that was, I remember the little girl come running out. She was cluck, 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 yeah. cluck, cluck, out there because they. That was um, way, way back. Hugh Baby Jarrett. Yeah, yeah, and it was the guy. You remember that girl that clogged the Croy girl? It was somebody in that same group. I mean, we could go, we could really go on for, <laughs> forever talking yeah. about stuff like that, but I, I just touched on Hugh Baby Jarrett. Yeah. One of the Jordanaires. For Elvis Presley mm -hmm. was the MC. master of ceremonies there. Yeah, he, he was. He was the MC for yeah. quite some time. How'd y'all? How did y'all lock him? I don't know how in? we got him. Do you? I don't know there, either. WPLO. Yeah, WPLO. he worked on that radio station. Working. Yeah. Now, radio involvement did was one hundred and six. Why one hundred and six? Were they pretty much the first ones to come in and actually? No, PLO was first before one hundred and six ever started. Oh yeah, one hundred and six wasn't even a station no, then. And the way that. The Atlanta House got started selling season tickets. They heard about how how good we was doing selling season tickets. They sent them somebody up here to talk to me how we went about selling season tickets. And I told him, and first thing, next thing I knowed, the house was selling season tickets for their games. I mean, people didn't realize that we would have to drive around with. That our ticket outlets <laughs> were like Otasco and someplace in Gainesville at one time, and we would literally have Drop to them hold some them like a, yeah. a, some tickets, and up. then we'd have to drive around and go pick them up. And we also had posters. Yeah, we got up. We I rode around with Louise, and we'd go with a store to store. She Louise Jones, and we put out up posters. posters. Yeah, we'd say she. And we got up to twenty one hundred something season tickets. I, I think one time. Speaking of ticket, this is producer Steve here. The pipe, good doctor, pipe, Steve Thomason, pipe, folks. in here. One thing I, I remember, always remember the Lanierland tickets always looked the same, except, was it Winona Judd? 
Winona Judd came, and I remember that everything was like branded pink. Their tractor trailers, their buses, everything was hot pink. And the tickets, they even had their own tickets, right? Probably, I'm sure in her contract it said it had to be hot pink. Had to pink. be hot pink tickets. That's the only that time I remember them look dif- looking sure. different than every other Lanierland ticket I ever saw in my life. Yeah, I'm sure it had to be Lewis something in there. Lewis usually printed Lanierland. <laughs> another, another trivia answer for all you Lanierland enthusiasts, historical enthusiasts. Hey, hey! Let's go around the room. Tell your your favorite show that you ever saw there. My favorite show, I guess I'll that once I got old enough to really be and appreciate the music and stuff would probably be a tie between uh, a Wayland show, probably '79 somewhere like that, and the uh, No Hats tour with Marty Stewart and Travis Strait. Those were my two favorite shows. I I give them a tie. I couldn't judge one or the other, but. Those were my, that was my favorite show. Brenda, what about yours? Oh, I thought you was going that way. I'm going that way. <laughs> <laughs> I'm dealing, dealing the cards to you, to the left. Well, I liked Ronnie Millsap. I always loved Ronnie. And there's one show in particular where he told you, he said, I'm going to blow their hats off or blow their socks off tonight. And he really did do such a good show. And I liked I liked him real good. And uh, I was like Calvin. I was like Waylon. And Marty. Yep. And uh, Travis. There wasn't many bad shows, so, if you think uh, about it. I no, always liked them. Who's your favorite, Leon? I guess my favorite have been the Oak Ridge Boys and Don Williams. Yeah, and mm-hmm. I like Don, too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Chris? Oh, my favorite, hands down, is Conway Tweedy. Oh, yeah. For yeah, what Conway, reason? I forgot him. Conway. <laughs> he held the audience in the palm oh of his God. hand. It was, I mean, he was, it was, he, it was, it was magical. It was magical. It was yeah. pure. The man would walk out there with <laughs> the that silk, crazy. that silky <laughs> yeah. shirt on. Leisure suit. He, he wasn't in the greatest of shape. <laughs> no. He had on, yeah, and he had on these pants that. Gabardine. Yeah, I mean, and they <laughs> just flared everywhere. And he'd come out there and have like a little Kruger and uh, little necklace right here just tucked away in the hair of his chest. Mm-hmm. And women went absolutely nuts over they him. Did. Sounds like you did from that vivid, <laughs> well, vivid description you, you just you were, gave us. You were mesmerized. <laughs> you were absolutely mesmerized because he'd walk out there and he wasn't, he wasn't anything to look at. He sure no. didn't have a good body no. or anything. But, nope. but I'm telling you, women would just they would. pass out. He and had the effect on women. Like, that, the like stars are going around, you know, and he'd sing. Uh, hello, first darling. Song. Hello, darling. Now, was it? A, was he a uh, high-priced actor, or was he pretty much? Yeah, he was. Uh, he, always, he was always what you could make money on, though. He was yes. always fair. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He'd always get over double his guarantee. Right. And he never get went up. Like, he never went, like, out of... <laughs> Like, he didn't, some of the acts, like, if they made good, the next year they'd come and try to jack their price up, and he was always very fair. But, I mean, I never got to see the Beatles, but he had, he seemed to have that kind of effect on the crowd. About like William Lee Golden. I loved to William see. William Lee Golden, he, I remember one time he touched and just, he just reached his hand down and some woman touched him and he, she just... Just passed out. <laughs> Richard Sturban was about the same way with the Oak Ridge oh, Boys, yeah. too. Oh, yeah, when he yeah. would yeah. do that. Women go pop cr- yeah. the bass, bass singer. What about yours, Cindy? The year that Alabama did the six shows, that was a unbelievable. I thought Randy Owen was just to die for. Yeah. I thought that 
And but the Oak Ridge Boys, I loved all their shows. I loved their band. Energy. I, I like people's bands and how they were. When I was a little bitty girl, I thought Donna Fargo, happiest girl in the whole USA. I remember she talked to me on her bus, and I thought that was the greatest thing. Cal and I always loved to see. Since you mentioned Donna Fargo, you know she had that song "Funny Face." Yeah. And one year we had her and her husband come with her. He had no ugliest man ever seen big old beard I said I know how she wrote that song <laughs> funny face but you know, for her damn husband but I'll tell you another thing that has changed through the years uh, you watch it used to be people came on stage and they were entertaining right like we never have mentioned Mel Tillis oh, but no, I remember sitting funny. there in the crowd and Mel Tillis Buck Owens uh, even Roy Clark people that came like that they Sattler Brothers, Ray Stevens, they were just entertaining from the minute they came on stage, (laughs) from the time they left. Don't you remember how entertaining? Mm -hmm. Like people would, they, like their whole band was a part of the Mm -hmm. show. That's true. It was some of the best shows ever. What about you, producer Steve? Well, Cindy stole mine for a a pretty cool reason, though. If I I remember right, it was August 24th, 1986. The Sunday show of Alabama because I've been married 31 years. So my wife and I started dating 33 years ago, and she lived in Arkansas. Flew her out here on a Saturday night. The next day after church, we had Lanierland tickets to see Alabama, and she'd never been far out of the yard, much less seen like more than a four or five story building in her life. And and I had like fourth row tickets to see Alabama, the hottest country band in the country then. So that kind of sealed the deal for me right there. Yeah, they ain't no Conway Twitty, though. No, no Conway Twitty. And I'll tell you, somebody else was good, too, uh, and didn't go up so high on their price either, was Loretta. She was kind of in line with Loretta and Conway on stage together singing Louisiana Woman, Mississippi Mm -hmm. Man, and they do that pointing. Yeah. Oh, they were great. They came Mm -hmm. together several times. Yeah, they did. Oh, yeah, they were were great together. But Loretta kind of kept her price down that it was... Pretty fair. Yeah. We actually had Dolly Parton and Porter, and we had uh, George and Tammy, uh, and Johnny and June. Yeah, we I had saw them all. The Johnny we had Johnny and June. We had them all. Yeah. Now George Strait was there, and he was in the middle of that big Bud Light sponsor tour. Now yep. did they bring they a, had a big beer sign. truck out and park it out in the front yard? He had that Bud. I mean, he had the logo out there. Yeah, yeah. The big, I know he, he had the, hung the, hung the logo, the crow's and he nest. was so tiny. Yeah, I remember walking back thing. there, and he was walking out the door, and I was walking in, and I looked, and I he was such a handsome guy, but he was so tiny. Yeah, he was little. Mm-hmm. But like he Mama was nice. Said, like Mama said about Kenny Chesney when he was backstage barefooted, about to eat supper, and she said, well, Lord, you're a cute little fella. <laughs> <laughs> I, I remember maybe the weirdest show that I saw there. I think it was Kyle Petty and and Bo Duke, John uh, Schneider. Uh, yes, and Daddy became was big buddies with Kyle Petty, and that's how we got Kyle Petty. I forgot about the Kyle Petty now, country uh, music. It was experience. only it was only he weird did. because yeah. it was Kyle Petty as a country singer. Uh-huh. Yeah, but he tried to make it. as a singer was weird. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He tried to make it, and Daddy tried to help him. Yeah, and he saved me a parking place on the infield at racing, too. <laughs> <laughs> one hand washed the other on that deal, didn't Oh, and right. one thing that helped us, me and Daddy got to go because when Jimmy Carter was running for president, Daddy and Tommy had Charlie Daniels for 
his fundraiser, and he got beat. But they invited us to go, invited Mom and Daddy and Tommy and his wife then to go to D.C. because he was leaving the White House. And Mama let me go in her place. And so we got to go. It was all the Democratic uh, governors and his whole cabinet. And we got to go have dinner at the White House because of Lanier Lamb. Yeah. Well, that that brings up an interesting point. You, you know, mentioning mentioning Jimmy Carter. Who would you, who do you remember being the most famous person to come and see a show at Lanier Lamb? Granted, you had a lot of famous people who were on stage. But yeah. Who can you recall of anybody that was? Well, Bubba came from the <laughs> heat of the night. <laughs> Wasn't that his name? Oh, that, that man that man rode Bubba. a bicycle and rode it on the stage. It was the governor. Oh, that Lester was Lester Maddox. Maddox. Yeah, Lester Maddox. <laughs> Bubba, Bubba, that was on the heat of the night, Bubba. Yeah, I can't remember. Well, that. he came. I saw one Phil Necro there one night in yeah, the crowd. Now we had y'all had a Falcon, uh, one of the Falcon football players. Oh, yeah, that was time. Tom Pridemore. Tom yeah. Pridemore. And Scott yeah. Case came Scott with him. Yeah. So we had some sports. sports yeah, we had them. They came pretty often. Yeah. I remember a story. Uh, when my grandmother lived in Nashville, Mama and Daddy would go up during CMA weeks, and they run up on. They told me this story. My daddy did. Said they run up on Brendan Leon out one night, jumping around to these parties and stuff, and they were going to go to some party. Leon, you may remember it. I'm sure you probably will. But said that uh, y'all were trying to get into some party, and you didn't have any invite or passes to get in. Y'all were just kind of standing around. And uh, Daddy said Leon, he's probably with them. They were standing out there smoking a cigarette. And Charlie Daniels walked up, bumped into him. He said, what are y'all doing here? And uh, he said, well, we can't get in. He said, what do you mean you can't get in? He said, we ain't got no passes. He said, Charlie Daniels told the guy, he said, these folks right here is with me. We're coming through. <laughs> I Leon said, that. I want you to play at the park. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you yeah, remember Char- that? Yes, I remember. He wouldn't let, let us in. He didn't even know you let, let us in there. Charlie, he told him, let me in, take care of me. He didn't even know you at the time, did he? I don't no, know. I don't think he'd be yeah. the part then. I don't think. Yeah, because that's when you said I'm, I'm having you play at my place or something yeah. like that. And he said, "Well, that sounds good." And uh, after he told them that, they treated us like we were somebody. I'll right. tell you that. Yeah, we rode over there in a taxi. We left in the limousine. <laughs> <laughs> Graduated. Graduated. Yeah, we started. To, he took care of us, well, folks. We've told a lot of stories over here tonight. We've, we've told so many we've probably made Leon mad because he's pretty much missed Jeopardy. I hope they've taped it we can get back well, to I it. Well, I believe that guy won, don't you? <laughs> we hope the guy's extended his streak because if he gets beat tonight, we're, we're definitely win. done with He won. We're yeah. definitely in trouble. <laughs> but thank you all again for doing this. Well, Lots of folks have been wanting us to do it. We've been, yeah, we've been. We were going to do the book, but Chris ain't got the uh, attention span to write a book, so we thought we'd just try to come do it live. <laughs> yeah, but now that we got it, in, you know, on audio, we can start writing the book. We can start writing. That's right. One thing we always regretted that, and I always, I even mentioned it to Renee Unterman. She was sitting with me at this drug recovery oh, thing yeah. this week, and she tried to help us get in the Country Music I Hall know of Fame. It. And, you know, I don't, there's probably very few places that's ever been in, in Georgia that's been, op- that was open 36 years. Right. And, in that business. And we never, never got in. And now, y'all we, did win something like Venue of the Year or something? That or was in Nashville. Yeah. yeah. It was, but we never got into the Georgia Music oh, Hall of Fame. And I tried to do all I could do, but we didn't have the right kind of pull to get in it. No, it's real political. Yeah. And the and Lanier Land never got in, and that would have been a nice thing if it ever had a... Yeah. 
I'll say real quick too. I I toured as a musician for a long time, and I, I probably rode two million miles on the tour bus and played at places all over the country. Played on the Grand Ole Opry. Played all over the place. But my the the thing I'm the most proud of is playing with a, in a gospel group named Wendy Bagwell, and we played at a gospel show there at Lanierland one time. And just I just remember when I stepped out on that stage from backstage, it's growing up two miles from the park there. That was yeah. one of the biggest honors of my life. And I, made it. I just appreciate you guys so much for bringing that that venue and and th- that level of performers and country music to Forsyth County, to my backyard. I could hear it from my yard if the wind was blowing right. Mm-hmm. The speakers faced where we lived. Yeah. And uh, no matter if we were at the show, we could tell who was out there. It was like, it was like a neighbor playing a radio really loud. It was awesome. So and not I, only I, that, I appreciate the, y'all. the uh, you know, stuff y'all gave back to the community like mm-hmm. you didn't charge these schools anything for graduation when well, they would we graduate over there we only the expenses just expense yeah. accounts right? we just sure didn't make no money enough yeah. to pay for the cleanup right yeah, just the expenses back. <laughs> provided a place to have uh, graduation had a that had a roof that would hold that many people yeah that started in uh 1989 89 when chris graduated yep and it went to 2006 right I, Lisa and I have both talked about it, though. I was nine years old when Daddy bought in to Lanier Land, and there couldn't have been a better place to grow up. No, I that's mean, the to truth. spend your weekends and to always have music around you and that yeah. quality of music and, and those people. It was a good, mm-hmm. I mean, some of the nicest people. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I started out pumping Cokes in the concession stand and with them old paper cups and we'd fill them up with ice and line them up so people would get them and then be able to then sell tickets and wind up, you know, being, booking the shows. We just but, didn't really, really realize at the time mm-hmm. what. A priceless thing we had. I mean, oh, yeah. you know, we just didn't realize it. It was a wonderful y'all had childhood. It, y'all had it at the perfect, perfect time. Perfect time. Mm-hmm. It was lightning in a bottle. Perfect storm to have it to have it during those during those years. Yes, that's especially true. before country music just kind of somewhat got out of hand. Yeah, mom. Who was the last show we had? The very last one that played there. Well, the very last show was the Estes Brothers and Banks, <laughs> Banks and, Shane. and Shane. Yeah, but the, but the one before that was Ronnie Millsap and James Gregory. And George Jones was scheduled to be after that. Yeah, he was to be the then last show. Then he had show. the medical issue yeah. and he couldn't make it. And how appropriate. He was a no-show. Yeah, he was a no-show for the <laughs> first went out, time. Went out with a bang. <laughs> for the first time, no-show was a no-show. But little known fact, that next week, y'all let Chris and I throw a big, <laughs> we did a big benefit over there. Yeah, y'all did. And, well, uh, we had a benefit. Mm-hmm. And we uh, had a big, had big, a having food. big in front of that may not be properly used. I didn't want to end it that way, and but I mean, that's how I wound up. That's why I didn't want to go there. Well, thank y'all again for having us over here. And folks, we hope you've enjoyed this and uh, hope it makes some sense to y'all because it makes a lot of sense to us. Brought back a lot of memories. We could go and, on uh, and on, really. Oh, yeah. yeah, and we probably will after we this. We just touch on high five. Yeah. yeah. No. Uh, if there's if a once huge Once that guy outcry. gets beat on Jeopardy, Leon, we're going to come back. <laughs> hey, okay. I thought of another great show, Barbara Mendrell and her family and her daddy. Yeah. That was good. You can just sit here and keep thinking on Statlers. and on and on. on, and on. I said the Statlers a little while yeah. ago. They were great. Mm-hmm. Well, y'all be sure and tune in again, uh, folks, because we're going to have some more episodes coming your way. <laughs> You've been listening to The Crossing, where the music has met the memories tonight. This is Cold Mount Cal and my brother Chris Cheatham, producer, the good Dr. Steve Thomason, 
Leon Jones, Brenda Jones, and Cindy Jones Mills, we bid you a fond adieu. The Crossing, where music meets memories, is recorded at Due South Productions high atop the Doc Holcomb Building in downtown Coal Mountain and is recorded and mixed by Steve Thomason and hosted by Chris Cheatham and Coal Mountain Cal Hurd. Theme music written, performed, and recorded by Wendell Cox. The Crossing is a production of Roadhog Studios and may not be rebroadcast without the express written consent of Due South Productions or at least a text message from Cal or Chris. That'll do too. All rights reserved. All right, we'll catch you next time on The Crossing.